Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What the Pell is up, everybody? This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. That is E-L-I-O-T-C-L. O-U-G-H. And before we get started on today's show, make sure you're going to subscribe and or follow, depending on where you're listening, on whatever podcast platform you're listening to Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. And if you're specifically on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a rate and review. That really, really helps us out. Of course, it takes just about 30 seconds. Scroll on down to the bottom, hit write a review. You'll get the option to leave a rate as well. And again, that really helps us out. And I know the majority of you are listening on Apple Podcasts for just, so so just do it, go, go ahead and do it. It really helps us out. But what a different sight it was for the Pelicans last night, specifically Pelicans Twitter. Much more positivity on that platform after a victory, and specifically not a 23-point loss. So... We want to keep it positive today because it's been so negative throughout the Pelicans community over the last week or so, and justifiably, because not the start that we wanted as Pelicans fans going into this eight-game seeding series as we move towards the playoffs in the NBA. But if you're not aware, the Pels did squeak out a win over the current eight seed in the West, the Memphis Grizzlies, 109-299. And Orlando last night. Basically, they're just the better team. Pelicans taken over from the get-go. They did ultimately relinquish that lead. I think it was in the third quarter, but got it back. Ended up closing out pretty well. And the Grizz are a good basketball team, but like I said on the word with G yesterday in on ESPN 1420 in Lafayette, Louisiana. And those of you who are listening, shouts out. Love being on that on that show with G. Uh, if he does tweet out the link, I'll, I'll share it so you can check it out. But it's kind of old news now. We were we were previewing the Grizz and Pelicans game. But like I said on, on the word with G yesterday, the Grizzlies really benefited from an easy first half schedule and look to be falling <laughs> and falling fast in these eight game seating, this eight game seating series that we're going through right before the playoffs start. And the remainder of their schedule is pretty, pretty rough. And we'll get to that at the end of the show. But the Grizzlies could be finding themselves on the outside looking in come the end of the playoffs. And like I said, we'll get to that in in a second at the at the bottom of the show, but ugly stuff from the Grizz last night and and it doesn't look to be getting much better for Memphis. But we want to re- review last night's game, keys to the victory and other observations that we took 
from last night's win over the Grizzlies, 109-99 to in the Orlando bubble. So starting off with the first key to the game, and I tweeted these out, so if you'd missed the first podcast, the, the podcast to preview last night's game, you'll hear them right now. Uh, Drew had to lock down Jaw. That was number one. And not necessarily, these aren't necessarily in a specific order, but number one on the list of five that I put together, Drew, the all-defensive player in the NBA, had to lock down Ja Morant, who will likely be Rookie of the Year for the 2019-2020 season. And the question came up on Twitter last night. David Grubb, friend of the show, former host, or current host of Hard in the Paint and a fellow writer at the Bird Rights also does some hosting on the Bird Calls podcast. Quoted it, and so the, the he uh, said, "Check, check, check" on on all five keys, and you'll hear the remainder of the keys. But some beef, a little bit of beef, not necessarily. So it wasn't super heated by any means. But beat reporter, beat Grizzlies reporter for the Memphis Flyer. I, I don't know what her name is, just because it's a specific. I think it's Sharon Brown, but I'm not positive, and I don't want to say an incorrect name, but. I think that's what her name is. You can't really tell on Twitter. You know, people kind of change their names and stuff like that, which is totally fine. But she is the beat reporter for the Grizzlies. Said that it was simply due to Jaw's inability to hit the three. Drew didn't necessarily lock him down. To a degree, this is true, but Drew was one of 10 from three. It's not like he shot 30%. I mean, he averages 35 on the season. So you could attribute two of 10, maybe three of 10 to inability to shoot the three, but he was one of 10 last night. And Drew really, I mean, let's think about it for a second. The three-point shot is not Ja Morant's game. That is not what his game is centered around. He's an attack-the-basket kind of point guard. He's reminiscent of Russell Westbrook, even though Russell Westbrook's still in the league, you know, but he's got great handles, decent vision, and incredible explosion. Ja Morant is not a three-point shooting point guard really not just a shooting point guard in general that explosion that ability that athletic ability around the rim that is what his game is and what did the what did drew and the pels do when he tried that they hounded him jaw was not able to get going at all last night and hounded him to the degree of making him shoot 5 of 20 run from the field for just 11 points when he averages 17.6 on the season. And have we seen the same jaw throughout this play of these eight games, I guess three games so far? No, but Drew continues to lock him down. This is the third time Drew has done that this season. So jaw not only going one of 10 from deep, but five of 21 from the field. So a little bit less than 25% from the field for jaw Morant last night. And all the memes, if you're a part of Pelicans Twitter, all the memes are correct. Drew has added a new son to the family next to Damian Lillard. And if you're wondering, yes, I'm doing the Russell Westbrook rockabye baby thing, and it's Ja Morant. Drew really owns Ja. And Ja is young. We we gotta we gotta mention that. Drew Ja is an incredible player. Again, super explosive. Gonna be the rookie of the year, but Drew is just on another level defensively, and you can attribute that to experience. You can attribute that just to the fact that he's an excellent defender. But he really owns Jaw right now, and that's a huge advantage that the the Pelicans have right now. And, and here's the thing too: after allowing 25 threes while shooting 53 percent from the field, 
the, the, they allowed that to the Clippers in this previous game. The Grizzlies were 12 of 43 and shot 27.9%. Talk about recovery in terms of defense on the perimeter from game to game. And again, this is another thing we'll talk about at the bottom of the five keys. But wow, that is an improvement. Almost knocking them off to half the degree of what it was in the game prior against the Clippers, who obviously a very different team. Again, we have to attribute the, we have to give them credit where credit's due. The Clippers are a fantastic basketball team. They just got really hot and the Pels kind of let it happen. So a lot of different factors going into that one. Number two for the keys to the game going into last night's play, uh, last night's game against the Grizzlies in Orlando was who's going to match up with Jaron Jackson Jr., the six foot 11, 240 pound forward for the Memphis Grizzlies out of Michigan State, an incredibly talented guy, has a lot of different facets to his game that I like. But what the Pels did is they threw a mixture of guys at him, depending on who was on the floor. If Jonas Valanciunas wasn't on the floor, it was Derek Favors. And for the minutes that Derek Favors played last night, he did just end up playing 28, which is more than his season average, but not a ton. And he did impact the game very well for only scoring two points, one of four from the field, but he also had 13 rebounds and a block last night. So we got to see some more of what Derek Favors really is and what his role can be. Drew was another player that was thrown at Jaron Jackson Jr. last night. It wasn't a lot, but it, it was a little bit, and it was just a little bit of an irritant because Drew, again, pretty small comparatively to Jaron Jackson Jr., so we couldn't expect a ton from Drew last night in, in terms of guarding him. And then Zion, and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. really didn't take advantage of Zion the way he should have. Took him off the dribble one time, spun, and Zion fell, which if they were in a crowded Memphis arena, I'm sure they all would have been like, ooh, but they weren't. They were in Orlando. So the the momentum didn't really shift much when that happened. It was pretty dope, though. Jaron Jackson Jr. is really good at handling the ball for its size. So he really, again, really only took advantage of Zion twice, and the other one was on that three-point shot when Zion jogged back. And that is another thing that we're definitely going to talk about by the end of today's show. But Jaron Jackson Jr., I saw some people say this on Twitter, and I have to agree. I like him a lot. There are a lot of good things about his game, but he's just one of the most confusing players in the NBA. Jaron Jackson Jr., he didn't dominate, and he really could have, probably really should have, if you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan. Especially, well, well, one, Drew is way undersized. Zion can't defend, two. Three, Derek Favors is old, and Jaron really could have taken advantage of that. He's versatile, but he's not consistent. 7 of 17 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3, 2 blocks. So, a lot of good things, nothing really great, nothing really standing out, nothing telling me that the Grizz should have won the game based on his play. In a couple years, I think he could be either exactly the same or really lethal. I like his body type. <clears throat> I like what he's capable of. There's just a lack of consistency. I just don't know what I'm getting from Triple J. I don't know if that's his nickname, but it should be because Jaron Jackson Jr. is a mouthful. I don't know what I'm getting from him night in and night out. He's decent at a lot of things, but he's not great at any one thing. And for his size and ability to handle the ball, he should be trying to be Giannis. Maybe not to the degree because Giannis is 
one of the most explosive athletes that we've probably ever seen. And he's just shredded and can really get to the basket. And he's just fast. Jaron Jackson Jr. doesn't have that type of speed. But Triple J, as he will be referred to, should be trying to model his game after that. Seeing what he can do. This is a friendly league now. He could talk to Giannis. I don't know what Giannis is going to give him. I don't know what Giannis is going to do for him because I know that he doesn't work out with other players in the offseason, only works out with his teammates, which props to him. I would do the same thing if I was in the league, probably. But <laughs> that's that's a long shot because I'm 5'9 and white. But that is the type of player Jaron should be trying to be. And if he can make any anywhere near a step towards that and the Grizzlies can surround him and Jaw with shooters, this team could be lethal going forward. Lethal. I thought about this last night. I didn't tweet it out because, you know, Pelicans writer, Pelicans podcaster. But the Grizzlies could be really scary in years to come if their front office is able to put something together, either through the draft or through free agency. Dylan Brooks is a guy who can shoot lights out from time to time. We did not see that last night, and that would have been really helpful for the Grizzlies. Dylan Brooks just shooting 5 of 13 from the field for 15 points, 2 of 7 from 3. And again, Grayson Allen went 5 of 6 from 3, and the Grizz still shot 27.9%, 12 of 43 from the field. And the only three players to make multiple, i.e. two or more three-point shots were Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Grayson Allen, who hit five of six. Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. each hitting two. Kyle Anderson going 0 of 4. Valanchunas going 0 of 2. John Morant, 1 of 2. Brandon Clark, 0 of 1. Anthony Tolliver, 1 of 2. And DeAnthony Melton, 1 of 3. So the three-point shots were absolutely not falling for the Memphis Grizzlies last night. Now, speaking of threes, number three, key to the game in this one for the New Orleans Pelicans was Zion has to play 25 minutes, preferably no less. And what did they do? They played him 25 minutes. And to start off, it really did look kind of ugly last night for Zion. And I mean to start off the game, not to start off this particular portion of the podcast. He was forcing shots big time. And the Grizz were clogging the lane with Valanchunas, Jackson, and another wing. Depending on who was guarding him, depending on who was in the vicinity, they'd really clog it. And Zion wasn't looking to pass it out. He was trying to use his athleticism and size to put up shots when it was really just unnecessary. Uh, our very own David Fisher from the Bird Rides tweeted out a gif of some, I don't know, superhero running through a bunch of walls and said Zion's game plan for tonight, which was pretty accurate. Zion was really trying to do too much. I tweeted out last night he was forcing it. That's exactly what he was doing. He went from that most recent game where it looked like he was afraid to the exact opposite side of the of the coin. Not necessarily afraid, but just didn't really put up shots to the clip that one would like him to. Almost like he didn't want to affect the game too much for the other guys who were on the court. But he did ultimately, in this one, start to figure it out. Wasn't forcing up shots, and if he was forcing them up, they were going in. So, 
props to Yazion. There was one play where it really looked like he was going to either get pushed out of bounds or force up a really ugly shot, and Drew was yelling at him from from behind the baseline to pass up to Zoe, who was wide open at the top of the key, and Zion put it up, and it went in, so... Okay, that works. Uh, and, he, you know, as the game went along, he started to figure it out. Wasn't, wasn't forcing them as much. They were getting the ball to him, but he wasn't necessarily looking to put it up every time he touched the basketball, which is great because Zion's a good passer. There was one pass in transition where he threw a ball to J.J. Redick as well, and, and it was beautiful. Zion's passing is really, really underrated, and and uh, he's he's really trying to show it off from what I can tell in the bubble. Now, Gentry left him in long enough to get into rhythm as well. What a concept. He figured it out, knew when to pass, knew when to put up a shot. There were a couple times in the fourth where I thought he should have passed, and he went ahead, like I said, in that play where Drew was telling him to pass it up that he went went ahead and and went for the layup and I mean he made it so it's cool. And Zion really looked comfortable for a large part of last night. I remember coming off that timeout and he was coming off the bench wasn't sitting on the bench and that was just like a sigh of relief. I'm sure for not just myself but Pelicans fans and other Pelicans media members throughout the league because it was like finally he's getting substantial minutes he can get into a groove and he didn't play a lot to start the third or the second half but they did play him a lot in the fourth gentry said he would play eight to ten minutes pretty much stuck around that range and at one point he did look absolutely gassed in that fourth quarter you could see him jogging up the court chilling on defense not putting much effort forth and i don't know how zion lost all that fitness in 10 days that he was gone, but he clearly did. Uh, at, at least we'll have two days off going forward here. The Pels don't play today or tomorrow. Um, for him to get on the bike or elliptical, something with less impact than a treadmill. Definitely not a treadmill. <laughs> uh, to get in some cardio. Uh, obviously recover first. I, I'm sure he got an ice bath last night. Got some chocolate milk, protein shakes, something like that after after game meal. And he'll take a little bit of a rest this morning or do a little bit of a shakeout kind of thing, you know. Get the heart rate up, but nothing too exhaustive. And, and he'll get going. So this 25-minute spot that he played last night is really going to be the sweet spot going forward for him and the Pelicans to get comfortable, for him to affect the game, but not affect it negatively to where they're like we don't know how much Zion's gonna play so we don't know how to run the offense but oh he's playing so we can figure it out something like that I like 25 probably 25 to 30 minutes later as we get towards the end of these eight games and maybe into the playoffs but nothing more than that I would prefer the 25 to 30 minutes we still saw some scary stuff last night the shoe popped off he landed straight on his butt one time when he was trying to get a put back so uh, some some stuff like that's got to be a little worrisome but Zion, for the most part, looked pretty solid last night, other than, than being gassed and forcing up shots. 25 minutes, really liking that. Also, we finally got Zoe to Zion connection back. Uh, Yas Queen, that was freaking beautiful. Zion, that lob from behind half court to, or excuse me, Zoe, the, the lob from behind half court to Zion was damn beautiful, and we need more of it, and we got a glimpse of it last night. And Zoe's pass to Giroux, all the way up court when Drew looked like he got hurt was was beautiful too. Luckily, he did not get hurt. But Zoe is a passing god. It was beautiful. 
Number four on the list of five keys to the game for the Pelicans last night was play-inspired basketball. And the Pels were ready from the jump. This was a very, very different Pelicans basketball team than we saw the game prior. We, you could see it from, from, you could see the difference from when the Pels were walking in for the pregame, that, that film that ESPN got of, of them walking in. They were ready to redeem themselves. They moved the basketball. They had energy. They looked like they wanted to be out there. And I don't know what the big difference was if it was they were trying to redeem themselves from that ugly game against the Clippers or Gentry showed them film from during the regular season and said, this is who you are. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was the fact that the Grizzlies are the team holding that eight spot and the Pels basically shredded them the last two times they played. And then they're the better basketball team. They weren't about to lose to this young, inexperienced team who's already 0-2 in the bubble to two teams that have lost more games than they've won. Games that they probably should have won. So the Grizzlies are now 0-3 in the bubble and to three teams that are below 500. The Pels were on a mission last night. This really helped them defensively. That's what I was talking about with the perimeter defense last night leading to the Grizzlies shooting just 27.9% from three. They allowed fewer shots to go in. Drew was on his game and so was Zoe defensively. Not so much on offense for, for Zoe. I believe we're going to look at the box score here. Zoe played 35 minutes, 2 of 7 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3-point land. He did hit 1, so 7 points. But he was plus 15, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. You know, pretty pretty solid game from Zoe. Nothing crazy. Don't need him to be any more than that. Prefer to, for him to make 3 of 7, 4 of 7 there. But also would prefer him to attack the basket a little bit more. So, you know, you're never going to have a perfect game from anybody. Number five was turnovers, turnovers, and one more time for good measure, turnovers. Had to be 15 or less. And what did I say? 15 or less, and the Pels had 14. They had six in the first quarter, which was not ideal. You never want that. But they played smart to finish out the game, just eight. They might have had another in the first quarter that I'm not aware of or not remembering. But 14 turnovers, Six in the first quarter, which is typical, and then they got it honed down, played more comfortable, played more relaxed. This is Pelicans basketball, folks. This is the epitome of Pelicans basketball when they can put it together, play solid defense, play with intensity, and not turn the ball over to the tune of more than 15 per game. This is how they win basketball games. Should they have won by more? Absolutely. But they pulled it out. They probably should have won by 20, honestly, for being real. Still too many turnovers. Would have preferred to make more shots. Zion didn't have to force it the way he did. Also, he was 5 of 10 from the free throw line. So there's points of emphasis to improve on. But they hit all five of these keys to the game. Was I confident that they would hit all five? No, I was hoping for four of five, three of five, maybe. But they pulled out all five and looked pretty solid doing so, and their next two games, they have today off, they have tomorrow off, back-to-backs against the Kings and the Wizards. The Pels can really, really use this time to get in the swing of things and win games going into the playoffs. Because if you're not aware, these next few games for the Pels, it's going to be Kings, Wizards, I think Spurs, Kings again, and then the Magic. So the Pels could really win out. Five games remaining on their schedule and the Pels could really, really win out. 
we'll see what happens. Now, I wanted to reference the rest of the playoff picture for all the teams that look to be fighting for a playoff spot just to keep you in, in the loop for games, how, how where, where the Pels are at in terms of uh, games back, games going forward, and the remaining games for these other teams who will be vying for that eighth and final spot. Now, we know the Trailblazers lost, I believe it was two days ago, to the Celtics, which really helped the playoff picture. Obviously, the Grizz lost last night to, to the uh, Pelicans, and then the Spurs lost last night as well to Philadelphia, which is definitely, definitely helpful as well. And as we currently sit looking at the Western Conference going forward, the eight spot is held by the Grizzlies, who are 32 and 36, followed by the Trailblazers at nine, who are 30 and 38, the Spurs at 29 and 37, and then the Pelicans at 29 and 38. And if you want to include the Kings in there, they are 28 and 38, followed by the Suns at 28 and 39. Do I believe in the Suns? We're not going to talk about them. I don't think they have a shot. I don't think the Kings really have a shot, but they're just a half game back of the Pelicans right now. So probably a good call to talk about them as we go forward. So with the Grizz, Grizz sitting in the eight spot, they are two games ahead of the Trailblazers. And we're going to talk about them in a second. Spurs are also two games back of the Grizzlies. Pelicans two and a half games back of the Grizzlies and the Kings three games back of the Grizzlies. So 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, really going to be where you're looking for who's going to get those 8, 9 spots. It'll be the Grizz, it's it's 8 Grizzlies, 9 Trailblazers, 10 Spurs, 11 Pelicans, 12 Kings. So, as we're going forward, the Grizz, 5 games left, Utah, OKC, Toronto, Boston, Milwaukee. I don't know how they win a single one of those. Utah would be the only one that I think they can squeak out. Utah is 1-2 and two with their one win coming against the Pelicans, but they have played against played against the Lakers last night, and then the game prior they lost was to the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder are good. We know that, even though they lost yesterday as well. So OKC, I'm mean, sorry. So Utah could be a game that the Grizz could steal, but the only one I see that could also be that would be if Milwaukee just chooses to sit their starters in that last game but I don't know I mean one in seven is that going to get you a lock to the get to the playoffs I don't think so I think the Grizz could really lose out and then the Spurs excuse me the the Trailblazers and the Pels get that last spot I don't believe in the Spurs going forward and you'll hear why in a second but the Grizzlies it the outlook's bleak for them and, and I'm sorry if you're a Grizz no I'm not I'm not sorry if you're a Grizz fan but it's not looking good. It is not looking good. You did not want to start 0-3 with facing off against three teams who are below 500 and losing the Trailblazers, the Spurs, and the Pels. Now, the Spurs, going forward, they have Denver, Utah, the Pels, Houston, and the Jazz one more time. So, the Spurs could steal one against the Jazz for sure. Maybe against New Orleans, hopefully not, because the Pels really need all the wins they can get going forward. But Spurs, I don't necessarily believe they're going to be able to do much. Yeah, I think we need to give them credit because they're a Greg Popovich-led team and he can do anything. They might be able to steal one again against the Jazz, but the outlook isn't great for San Antonio either. For Sacramento, they've got Dallas, New Orleans, Brooklyn, Houston, New Orleans one more time, and then the Lakers. So the Kings, who are pretty depleted 
on their roster. They don't have Marvin Bagley. I'd have to look at the rest of the roster as well, but they lost a couple guys. Dallas should beat them. New Orleans should beat them twice. Brooklyn, the only team they're going to beat in their, their, their eight games is the Wizards. Houston will slash them. The Lakers are good. I have no doubts that Sacramento won't get in. And then the Trailblazers, who are the quality team out of all the teams vying for this last spot. The Trailblazers are damn good. The Pels can match up with them pretty well, I think, mainly because Damian Lillard gets shut down by Drew Holiday basically every time. But they've got Houston tonight, so we want Houston to win tonight, followed by Denver, the Clippers, Philadelphia, Dallas, and then Brooklyn. So the Trailblazers, quality team. Excellent, excellent team from top to bottom. I think they're deep. I think they're really, really good, especially with Nurkic and Zach Collins back. But the only guaranteed win I see in the remainder of their schedule is Brooklyn. Again, they got Houston tonight, so Pels fans probably want to watch that game. That's a big one for the Pels playoff race. Houston tonight for the Portland Trailblazers. And to remind you, for the Pelicans, they've got the Kings, the Wizards, the Spurs, the Kings, and then the Magic. So much, much, much more favorable schedule as opposed to the other teams that are vying for that 8 and 9 spot in the West. So, Pels fans, one more time, make sure to watch that Houston. You know, you don't, you don't have to. You can watch the highlights. Keep along on ESPN, the, the the score tracker or whatever. But the Rockets play the Trailblazers tonight, and we want the Rockets to win for sure. Now, we're going to wrap it up. Hopefully, this podcast wasn't too ugly. I'm going to go back and get rid of some of the spaces, but I wanted to get this podcast out this morning because I didn't get to record it last night. So, we're going to wrap it up. Go give Elliot Clough a follow on Twitter, at Elliot Clough. You're going to be getting all the Pelicans content there. While you're here, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to subscribe, leave a rate, and review. Do it! That really, really, really helps us out. Go follow Believe on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and go check out SB Nation's The Bird Writes with all, you know, former guests writing, stuff like that. I'm Elliot Clough, folks. Go Pels! We got it back. We're rolling. We're still alive. And... This was Belief in the New Orleans Pelicans. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.